Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw this vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from the heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. And I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds, And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever been eaten by me. And the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. And right then, three men who had been sent to me stopped at the house where I was staying. And the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as she had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Holy Spirit, what the Lord had also said, that that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift God gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Friends, will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Holy, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts collectively be acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So friends, this morning's sermon is going to appeal particularly to people who are... um, who are real history buffs, because this morning's sermon is about historical context of this Bible passage that leads us to a greater understanding of what it has to do with our day-to-day lives. So this morning's scripture comes from the book of Acts, and before we dive deep into what this means for us, I'm going to take us on a historical journey to biblical times. So let's spend some time understanding the book of Acts in the context of the Bible as a whole and as a book that is uniquely authored by this unique figure in our Christian history. So this is a scripture, this morning's scripture, that requires that we know this context in which it was written 
and that we really get to know who it was who penned this text. So now the book of Acts is essentially the history of why and how the church was started. And now originally author Luke wrote just this one book, and the first part was about Jesus Christ, and then the second part was about the church. But because that book, together, was so different from all the other gospel books in this respect, talking at great length about this foundation of the church and the works of the Twelve Apostles, later retractors broke this single book of Luke's into two books. So now we have the Gospel of Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So when you open up the book of Acts in your Bible, the first 11 chapters is going to be all about the church in Jerusalem and about that church's leader, Peter, And then beginning in chapter 12, we have this shift, and the focus shifts to Paul's leadership of the early church. And now, the reason you'll find so many churches diving into the book of Acts right now in this season, right before Pentecost, which is all about the Holy Spirit, is because Acts is so full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the total occurrence of the Holy Spirit over the course of this Luke-Acts book is equal to that in the remainder of the entire New Testament. So the Holy Spirit is really important to Luke. And you could even think of the author Luke as a historian and a theologian of the Holy Spirit. So one way to think about this relationship of the book of Luke to the book of Acts now is that the book of Luke is like a biography, whereas Acts is a history a history of the church and the Holy Spirit. So now these accounts that we find in the book of Acts, these are these eyewitness-based accounts. This is a book about the first generation of Christ's followers and about the actions that these apostles took in the world on behalf of the church. So the author Luke would have been in the second generation, right after these eyewitnesses, with Paul being his primary teacher. So in his writings, Luke would argue that what is written down in the text were handed down from these eyewitnesses, these folks who were really with Jesus, handed down through Luke all the way into our hands and into our pews today. Now Luke was a Gentile Christian. He was a physician. He was a companion of Paul, a close follower, converted to the faith by Paul. Luke was well-educated. And he was very well equipped to pen these texts that we read today. So now, when we look at the history of the church, there were these two iterations happening at this time. There were these two iterations at play. So there was the Jewish church, and this is associated with Peter, and it's really about adhering to law. It follows from the Jewish tradition, adherence to law. And then there was this Gentile church associated with Paul, And it was a tradition that was not as much strictly about the performance of law. And now these two strains of the early church, they did not get along so well together. These factions, they experienced tension and conflict. And one might wonder at that time, how can they possibly be united? How can they possibly be a united church at any point? And that is the moment that this morning's scripture speaks into. That's where it lands. It lands right in the middle of this question, how can they be united? 
And this is a question that we continue to wrestle with as a United Church of Christ and as a Protestant church and as a whole world of Christians. How can we be united? And in this morning's scripture, God shows Peter through this vision how this unity of people of varying traditions can be united. And Peter leads the church by bringing the first Gentile convert into the Jewish church. So Peter says in this morning's scripture, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So Peter is making a case here. He's making a case, an argument for the unification of the church under an understanding that there is nothing and no one impure or unclean that the church can be made whole only through the welcoming of people who may not have the same background as one another. That the church of Jesus Christ is a place of welcome for all people, and in this context, even the Gentiles. This vision of Peter's is the same vision of our church today. That a church that is in sync with the workings of the Holy Spirit is one that is open to all and affirming to all. It's a church that doesn't cast judgment, opting instead to see the sacredness and the inherent worth and dignity in all people. So Peter's vision in this morning's scripture is a vision for that time, and it is also a vision for this time. It's a vision that says the Holy Spirit is at work, bringing us into unity, and so do not get in her way. So friends, this morning, I ask you this, how do we How do you and you and you and I, how do we participate in the work of the church, which is the holy transformation of the world, working in sync with the Holy Spirit rather than in opposition to the Spirit's workings? So I want to propose to you this morning that in order to work in sync with the Holy Spirit and in concert together, we let love be our rule of law. I propose to you that the answer to this question that we have in the ancient church and in the church today of how we work with the Spirit is to remember Jesus' greatest teaching, that we love one another, that we love our neighbors. This one another that we love, it's not limited to those who look like us or sound like us or behave like us. This one another includes all of humankind. So to work in sync with the Holy Spirit means to love one another, to love our neighbors. So this morning, I ask you to meditate on that. When have you been called to show love to your neighbor? So I remember it was almost two years ago, the summer of 2017. I was glued to the TV as the devastation caused by Hurricane Harvey in Houston flooded the news outlets. I don't know if that pulled you in in the same way that it did me, but I could not escape these images of the devastation, the flood waters rising and covering cars, pulling down streetlights, countless homes and buildings just flooded. And so I just watched these images of people waiting to be rescued on top of their vehicles, these animals swimming, these lines of people evacuated at the shelters. And I watched humanity in Houston just desperate for help And as we see in these situations like this, in the face of disaster, the hope that was brought forth in that moment was through one another, through neighbors, 
So I watched these stories unfold of people doing as Jesus would ask us to do, loving one another, following him by loving each other. And I watched this video from Houston showing an elderly man who was trapped in his vehicle as these floodwaters rose and rushed by the stalled car. And quickly, this group of about 15 people, they linked arms with one another. I don't know if you saw this video. They linked arms and they stood in that water. They braced themselves against these waters that threatened to move them. And together, they made it possible for this man to escape his car by grabbing on to each one of them, moving to safety. So this group of people who rescued the man, they put their own bodies at risk to do so. They placed their own selves sacrificially into the waters in order to save that individual. And in risking their own lives, this group undoubtedly experienced that true life that comes from answering a call to service. Jesus calls us to follow him through loving our neighbors, through loving one another. And when we love one another, we live into this vision of unity that Peter cast. And when we love one another, we work in sync with the Holy Spirit instead of in opposition to that spirit. So I want to tell you another story of loving one another, of loving our neighbors, and thus living into a vision of unity. And this takes us back four years ago. So do you all remember that massive snowstorm in the winter of 2015? We had these record-breaking levels of snowfall in the Boston area. Do you remember how that snow, it would just start falling and it would not stop? Do you remember how day after day that snow just built up faster than the sun could melt it? And more than during other winters, I remember that people were especially aggressive about saving their parking spots. And I remember driving by these lawn chairs and these really funny signs and these inflatable pool toys and more and more items that were used to save those precious dug-out Boston area parking spots. And Nicole and I were living in Medford at the time, and on the most intense day of snowfall yet, the peak of the storm, there were these people cross-country skiing down our street. And just as night fell, I let the dogs out in the yard before they would come in for the night, and I heard this yelp. And my big German Shepherd Greyhound mix came running back inside and running up the stairs, holding up her front paw, and it was a mess. There was blood everywhere, and it became apparent that she had somehow, in the course of that quick trip outside to the snow, managed to injure her foot severely. And there was a travel ban on. And Nicole and I were unable to get the bleeding to stop. And get, we just needed her to go to an emergency vet as quickly as possible. And so despite the travel ban, we thought we've got to get in the car. We've got to get this dog to the vet. But our cars, they were completely blocked in by the snow. And we were renters with no snowblower. And we knew it would take a really long time to shovel the car out. So while I triaged the dog's foot, Nicole started running out into the snow and knocking on neighbors' doors to see if anyone could help. And the first door that she knocked on, our neighbors across the street said yes immediately. 
Our neighbor quickly put on his winter clothes. He fired up his snowblower, and he had that car free so fast, just a matter of minutes. Despite the bitter cold, he was quick to act in love for a neighbor in need. So we loaded up the dog, we got to the vet, and all was well. And all of that was possible thanks to this neighbor, who we had actually never met before. Sometimes it takes this moment of great need, whether that's being stranded in the floodwaters in Houston or just being this frantic dog owner in the middle of a snowstorm. Sometimes it takes these kind of crisis moments to shine a light on the selfless love of our neighbors, the selfless love of one another that is so sacred. So I wonder, when have you been on the receiving end of such love from one another? And how did that make you feel? How did it make you feel to be welcome and accepted and helped, perhaps especially in a time of need? Because that's the kind of community we're called to be. One that shows that great love to one another, essential for the united vision that we read about in today's scripture. Sometimes when crisis hits, we are called to action and called to be our best selves in the face of these extreme situations, such as a natural disaster. But it's also worth lifting up people who show that love to one another on a daily basis, simply as a part of who they are in the world. These people who have honed and cultivated what it means to live into that greatest commandment. I have this friend who shows love to her neighbor on a regular basis. She comes from the Midwest, where hospitality and welcome are highly ingrained and valued. And each time that she notices a for sale sign up in her neighborhood, she makes a mental note of it. Or if she sees a moving truck arrive and be unloaded, she makes a mental note of that as well. When she sees these things happening in her neighborhood, she knows that it is time to go home and assemble her flour and her sugar and her butter because she is going to be baking. She bakes brownies and cookies for each new neighbor that arrives, and she goes to their home at a time when she thinks that they will be there to deliver this fresh plate of baked goods. And on it, in case they aren't home, she attaches a note that expresses her sincere and genuine welcome to the neighborhood. She even includes a note that if they are looking for a church home, she'll welcome them at her church. So friends, this morning, I want to leave you with this. Peter had this vision of the Holy Spirit that is uniting, that brings people together, Jews and Gentiles alike, together in unity and love. And Jesus told us that that is what our greatest charge here is on earth, to love one another, to participate in that bringing together in love and unity that Peter references. And so the act of loving one another, of loving our neighbors both near and far, is in fact the holiest charge that we have as humans. So as you go into your week, consider this. When have you shown great love to another? And what is it that helps you to cultivate that practice? What is it that helps you to live into a life of love? What do you need to be more intentional about doing in order to cultivate that practice further? And when have you, in turn, been on the receiving end of great love from another? What was that experience like? 
So take into the week ahead of you that we are called to unity and to love, and that we are our best selves when we are working together with the Holy Spirit and not in opposition to. Because the Holy Spirit and us, we are together to transform this hurting world bit by bit through love so that it may become more and more like the radically inclusive kingdom of God. Amen.